Are you an aspiring podcaster who is working toward growing your show with the hope to start earning money from sponsors? Yeah, I was too, and so thankful to come across Podcorn. Nope, I didn't say popcorn, though that does kind of sound good right now. Podcorn connects advertisers with podcasters, so for you, the podcaster, it takes the guessing out of which brands actually want to advertise on a podcast. When you sign up with Podcorn, you are alerted when new sponsorship opportunities become available. The website is very user-friendly, thank goodness. Heck, that's how I got the opportunity for Podcorn to sponsor my show. You are able to scroll through their list of sponsors to find one that would ideally match their brand to your target audience. There are so many to consider. When you find one you are interested in, simply click on the advertiser and let them know how you would like to advertise their product on your podcast and what your fee is, along with the dates you would be placing the advertisement. You really should check out their website at podcorn.com. That's P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com, not popcorn. View available sponsorship opportunities for your podcast today. Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Well, hello and welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. As usual, I'm going to say, I hope everybody is doing well. I'm actually recording this a couple weeks prior to its release, and we are having a ton of snow up here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I live in Vancouver, Washington, and it is... I don't know, it's just been coming down. And it's just mainly for the weekend. But there are, I don't know, I had to dig out. Thankfully, I have a Tahoe and I was able to dig it out. So my daughter, who has recently moved back in with me, and I went down to a local little pub that was open and had some dinner and had some fun. So that was good. But man, between COVID and then the restaurants open up at 25%, right? And then Everybody snowed in. It's just absolutely a shit show. There's just never, there's just never an end lately. And it it feels that way, especially for me lately, just because it's been even more difficult with my husband's passing. And on that note, I I just want to share with you um, just something personal. Um, You know, you do realize during situations like this, that people are going to take advantage of your grief and your vulnerability. And if, you know, you've got a good friend that you feel you can trust 
before you know it, things can be manipulated a little bit. And I, you know, have seen some true colors of people, both good and bad during this process. Um, but considering the topic of the show, you know, I'm going to say, you know, talk about the bad and um, that there are some men out there who I've been friends with and oh, she's single now. Let's dive in and see what we can do. And I don't appreciate that because I am vulnerable and as strong of a person as I am, I also have my weaknesses. And so for advice for anybody, you know, going through a situation with grief, I'm sure you've experienced it, but you really do see people's true colors if you're not careful and uh, can feel or be taken advantage of. So I just wanted to kind of briefly touch on that without getting into too many details. You've been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, where women share their stories of why they stepped out on their marriage or relationship. But have you ever wondered what the husband or partner has to endure when they find out about the affair? It's such a controversial and sensitive subject. It's not as though one just talks about it casually among friends. However, there is a place to hear the betrayed partner's point of view and their side of the story. The wife left before my wife got home, and I felt numb. I couldn't move. I looked like a statue as she drove away. My son snapped me out of it by opening the door and asking me who she was and what she wanted. I told him she was trying to sell me something, more like steal something. My world was stolen in my garage that morning. I went in trying to act normal and failing miserably. I went into autopilot until she got home, ten minutes after I called. I just looked at her with her eyes wild, wondering what happened, and said one word, his name. Then I drove to school to drop off my kids, one in elementary, one in middle. The drive home was the longest drive of my life. My driveway loomed ahead of me, taunting me about a life that was versus a life that is. I'm not trying to sound melodramatic, but honestly, looking at my house when I pulled up, it almost filled me with dread, as if it was haunted. When you subscribe to my Patreon, you get access to these exclusive bonus stories, which also include men's stories of their own infidelity. You will have early access to ad-free episodes and, of course, my blundering blooper reel. Visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to subscribe. I ask for a $3 a month pledge with your subscription. Perhaps you even have a story you would like to share. Remember, it's always anonymous and always without judgment. So before we start today's episode about Nadine, I wanted to do a little follow-up regarding Gabriella. And her story came out on February 14th, and I had asked for some follow-up information, and so she did. So you would have heard this episode if you heard it when it first came out about two weeks ago. Um, So this is what she sent in to me. Hi, Rebecca. Hope you are doing well, and I'm glad to hear you have some exciting family time on Valentine's Day. 
So I have seen Elgin, and through the entire episode, I said Elgin, but apparently it's Elgin, so I'm standing corrected on that one. So she says, I have seen Elgin two more times since August. I did give in first and texted him back to say hi. He immediately texted me back and said he didn't want to pressure me into doing something I felt bad about, so he was on the fence about texting me first, but he was glad I did reach out because he had been thinking about me. We ended up seeing each other again in November and then again January. We are trying to space out the time we see each other. We both agreed that the more we talk and see each other, it's making it worse. So we go weeks and weeks without texting each other. We have not made any additional plans to hook up in person. After we saw each other in January, we had not texted until this past Sunday, and he texted me out of the blue and just said, Hey, sexy, I'm missing you. I replied back with, Missing you too, and that was it. So I think we both know we have to stop, so we are trying to space out the communication, and then maybe eventually we will just stop altogether. But needless to say, it has been very hard. You mentioned if I had spoken to my husband about my feelings, and no, I haven't. I am too much of a chicken. I have mentioned to him about trying new stuff, but he thinks I'm crazy. Ha ha. I don't think I could ever tell him I'm not sexually satisfied with him. I think that would crush him. Outside of that, we have had a good marriage, and he is a great dad. Thank you for sharing my story and your thoughts. I still love your podcast and can't wait to listen to new stories. Thank you for being a lending ear for me to talk to. It's so hard to keep this all balled up. Take care and thank you for this podcast. Sincerely, Gabriella. So that is what's going on with Gabriella currently. And Gabriella, I hope if it is indeed what you want to do to kind of break away from him, that whatever you two are trying to do, because you guys have so many years together, there is so much history. I know it's got to be hard because he's more than just somebody you would hook up with or anything. He's truly uh, been a long friend and lover for years. And, and I imagine it's it is a struggle to break, for, break break away from, even though you know, it's not the right thing to see him. It's still very, very hard. So hopefully, the tactics that you are taking on spacing things apart, and then eventually maybe completely losing touch will work for you. But just know I'm sending you positive thoughts. And I appreciate you following up. And I appreciate the kind things you've had to say about the show. I really do. So now what we're going to do is listen to today's story, which is from Nadine. I met my husband after globetrotting for many years. I was in college at the time, though I was in my late 20s. I wanted to get my degree so I could start a career, so I could have a family. I have always wanted to be a mother and my internal clock was telling me it was time to get that process moving. I met a man who suited my adventurous nature. We both liked outdoor sports and had a lot of fun together. He was divorced with two kids, not well-educated or well-read, not of the same religious background, but none of that mattered to me. He was handsome, loyal, fun, and something in my DNA said to mate with his DNA. Despite a rocky road to marriage, which involved a couple of breakups and some premarital counseling, we got married almost 16 years ago. 
I ignored the warning signs because I was in love and I wanted to start a family. While often painful, I helped raise his kids, bought us a house, got the dog he wanted, and happily made many sacrifices of my own desires for the benefit of us. At the time, they didn't exactly feel like sacrifices. Love is such a selfless act of giving you don't keep score. No, the scoreboard of, quote, I did this for you versus what you did for me, doesn't light up in the good days. For example, I was happy to let him go on a boy's trip while I worked full-time and took care of our toddler while almost nine months pregnant with our second child. I figured he should get to go enjoy life before the next kid. He also never had the freedom and stability I had enjoyed, and I wanted him to live his life fully. It didn't register as one-sided until he came back and said he was going to go every year. There were many little aggressions like this. Here's another example. He had a medical scare at the same time our second was born, and I took care of everything and everybody, even while in labor. I was happy to do it. That's what a wife and mother does. But to hear him tell our dramatic story to friends and family only included his medical scare, left out my trauma, and did not include what I had done for him or what I was going through at the same time. The hour of the story was left out and seemed very me-oriented. It seems to me that in some ways our roles reversed as I grew into my career in motherhood. I stopped doing the fun stuff I used to do so he could do them. I mean, it seemed reasonable at the time since I was breastfeeding and he wasn't. Fast forward a few years, we had a third child, two in college. My father died and we moved into a huge house with my widowed mother. My career was, and is, doing quite well. I love what I do. I have great benefits and job security, and I'm able to provide health insurance and other necessities for our family. His income has stayed the same for almost 20 years. In fact, it's gone down. On top of that, he works long hours and weekends without two consecutive days off and little vacation time. He comes home grumpy and tired, A typical evening starts with, Hi love, how was your day? Long, tiring, he answers, usually followed by, What's for dinner? He seemed unable to remember dates, important holidays, when the kids got out of school, what activities they were at, and where they were. Never mind their friends' names, he can barely remember my friends' names, even those we've had over to our house for dinner. He will ask a perfunctory, How was your day? But if I say, fine, that's enough for him. Our sex life was okay. I think I always had the higher libido and often sex was initiated by me. I used to surprise him with lingerie under the covers, pretending I was asleep after a night out with the boys or a meeting. But after several, sorry, I'm just so tired lines, I gave up. As I mentioned, I run hot. So I was used to taking care of myself. But these so-called microaggressions were taking a toll in my mind and body. My husband is a good guy. He's kind and will flip the car around for a total stranger in need, offering assistance. But he didn't seem to offer the same to the people he claimed to love the most. More than that, I volunteer a lot for my community and he never would do the same for any causes he cares about. 
His loyalty may actually be habituation, fear, and obsessive behavior. It's just not loyalty or creature of habit. There's an OCD component to it. For example, my husband took up golf. He decided one day he was a golfer. He poured himself into being the best golfer, watched endless videos, listened to podcasts, went to the pro shop to talk golf with the guys. He bought all the best equipment and associated gear. My husband spent countless hours and literally untold amounts of money on his new hobby. Look, I understand he wasn't having affairs or going to strip clubs or doing drugs or buying fancy cars. Actually, I might have liked that. Or gambling away our savings. In hindsight, it was just golf. But it was also just for him and he had no limits to his indulgence. I would wake up alone because he'd wake up early to catch podcasts. I went to sleep alone because he'd fall asleep watching videos. I was lonely. I felt like I had four children, a dog and my mom, rather than three adults and three kids, and I paid through the nose for a nanny since we both worked. Please believe me when I tell you I tried to get us counseling, which was met with, great, one more fucking thing to do. I tried to ask him for more of him in the bedroom. I'd text him with toys or pictures or racy thoughts during the day. I'd get back unimaginative responses like, yeah, all the way to painful ones like, what the fuck? Ouch. When what the fuck came through, I had a conversation with my husband. I said to him, you know, everything I used to do before we were married, I can still do, like ski, scuba dive, travel. You don't want to do those things with me. Then I can find a friend to do things with. The one thing I can't do with anyone else is have sex. If you want to be the sole provider in that arena, then I would appreciate it if you make my happiness and satisfaction in the bedroom a priority. He said he understood. But like most of my requests, nothing changed. He'd have sex with me without ever kissing me. He'd come and he'd never seem to notice that I didn't. Sure, there were moments that I'd be satisfied, but those were pretty rare. Foreplay, if it existed, was basically checking for wetness before having his way with me. If he went down on me, it was lazy and he'd rest his head on my leg and sigh. So. Let me tell you what happened. In 2016, I went to a conference and ran into a colleague. Let's call him D, whom I ran into almost every year at this conference. We always had a good time catching up and during the evening mixers often had a drink with a group of friends. No biggie, he was married, I was married. Well, that year, a friend of mine from college, now a professional colleague, he and I ended up in our hotel's hot tub with the other conference attendees. Dee was there. I could feel his eyes on me. I got dehydrated in the hot tub and had a wicked hangover the next day. I dragged myself mid-morning to the conference. We ended up sitting next to each other at lunch and I was wrecked staring at the food. I felt so stupid and childish for being so hungover, but he didn't make fun of me. He empathetically patted my back. It was nothing really, just a there-there pat. But his touch was like lightning through my body. I was totally alive from just that simple pat. I felt a jolt and everything changed for a minute. 
I went to his presentation and saw him through a different lens. Brilliant, funny, engaging. He texted me after the conference saying it was great to see me and he hoped it wouldn't be another year before we saw each other again. My heart beat faster, but we didn't see each other for two more years. It was 2018 before we ran into each other again. I'd be lying if I said our affair just happened. It didn't. I knew going into the conference that year that if I had the opportunity with him, I would take it. The opportunity arose. I actually kind of orchestrated it and, well, it was beyond both of our expectations. His kisses were deep and passionate, incomparable to the dry or lizard-like and altogether too familiar kisses from my husband. I dissolved into him. I have never felt so alive. He said the most amazing things. I want to take my time with you. I wish you were sleeping in my arms. I have wanted you so much. Your body. We did not have sex. I couldn't go that far. I don't know what I thought would happen exactly, but looking back, I think I figured I'd have a little fun and use the feeling and the memory to boost my feelings towards my husband. It didn't work that way. Instead of using that one night with D-like pornography in my head to bring some heat into the bedroom as I conjured up the memory, I just felt listless and dead inside. I came back in turmoil. I felt broken and rotten that I did an absolutely horrible thing and yet felt like I could not go the rest of my life without feeling that way again. I talked to therapists, three of them actually. I journaled. I listened to podcasts about getting my life back on track. I learned about limerence. I tried to do something for myself, like start the process of going back to school. I hit the gym extra hard, but I felt like my smile was broken. I could barely eat and felt like throwing up half of the day. Weeks went by and then I texted him and he texted me back. That was it. A little scratch at the door and we were both having a full-blown love affair. We chat endlessly about everything. We fantasized a lot. Neither of us was planning on giving up our primary relationships, especially me, as my kids were younger than his. He was holding out till college for his. But it didn't stop us from wanting to be together. Our affair lasted three months. In that time, I continued to go to the therapy and oscillated between life is short, so have fun while you can, and life is short, so be the best version of yourself in the minds of the people around you. I was fractured. I hated myself for lying and sneaking around. I once met him for a drink, and on the way back I thought, what if I get into a car accident? How would I explain this? And I told myself that we had to stop because I knew there were only two ways this could end. Get caught or stop it. In my right mind, I hated what I was doing and knew I didn't want to hurt my family and my husband. I knew he didn't deserve what I was doing. In my other mind, my not right mind, I was justified in my behavior because I had tirelessly tried to work on our relationship only to be met with resistance. I was ignored and taken advantage of. I had a right to some happiness too, right? And well, since golf wasn't my happiness, I got to have D. I used this wrong to try to work on my marriage even more. 
It was particular torture to try and have a healthier marriage while simultaneously doing something that undermined it. It was terrible keeping my secret. It made me feel awful about myself even when I was getting validation from D about how wonderful I am. The dopamine was too strong. I never in my life thought I would cheat. We are going to go ahead and end Nadine's story right here, but the rest of her story will be on in two weeks, so make sure you are listening to hear exactly what happens with Nadine, her husband, and Dee. Thank you, Nadine, so much for sending it in. It is great so far. I really appreciate the details and emotions that you are sharing. Um, I know I can relate to a lot of the things that you're talking about. And, you know, you do. You go in and you're thinking, okay, this will be a good tool for this. But it backfires every time because, you know, we're good people. You know, we may know that we're doing wrong, but we don't want to hurt other people. But sometimes we can't help but try and make ourselves feel good, even if we know it's wrong. It's a real, real difficult situation. And it, and it sounded like you were really lacking something with your husband. And no matter how hard you try to get in his vision of importance here, hello, I'm right here. He just wouldn't catch a clue and then end up making you feel bad about it. So I can understand a lot of what you're saying. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening can understand as well. So we'll look forward to the rest of your story in two weeks. Thank you all for listening today. If you have a story you would like to share for the podcast, send me an email, rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. And I'm always looking for stories from women who have been unfaithful to their partner or spouse, or even men who have dealt with their wives' infidelity and you want to talk about it and get your story out. Or even if you're a man who has been unfaithful and you feel the need to want to talk about it, send me an email. The best place to get started, though, actually is to go to my website, which is rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. You can click on story guides from the menu. That will help you, depending on if you were the person who was unfaithful or those who were betrayed. Um, It'll help you form your story. It's just kind of a little guideline um, that you can go through it and it helps. Also, you know, you can email me from there. You can check out the merch store. You can vote for me. And thank you guys so much. I couldn't believe, again, I'm still in awe that for the month of February, I came in as number 21. That's the highest I've ever been. And thank you. Let's keep it up. Please feel free. You go to my website and you can click on vote. Uh, vote for me here or something like that. And it's voting for the the hot 50. And uh, every time you do, it just helps me get more out there as far as other people being able to find me if they are um, looking at the hot 50 top 50 countdown hot 50 countdown for the podcast magazine. I can't even talk. Also, if you're an Apple subscriber, please Uh, rate me and review. It does help other people find me as well through that platform. My podcast is a one of a kind. There are no other ones like that out there. There are a lot of podcasts about helping people through infidelity from the betrayed standpoint, but not talking about those who have been unfaithful. And so I want to try and reach as many people as I can, because there's a lot of people that will look for support this way. And don't realize that it's truly out there because it's always so taboo. Why would you want to be supportive of somebody who's cheating? People are cheating or scum. Well, you know what? 
everybody has some sort of a skeleton in their closet and nobody is perfect. You might want to say, oh, that person is a horrible person for doing this, but they need to stop and look in the mirror. What is their history? Have they been perfect their whole lives? No, they are not without sin. So I think that everybody deserves support. Let's work through this together. I've always said I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying, oh, hey, yeah, let's go cheat, cheat, cheat. No, the fact is it happened or it could be happening. Why? Why is it happening? And let's talk about it. And maybe getting it out will help you understand and decide what you need to do for your own future whether it be stay with your relationship or end it. Uh, So there's always, you know, people are helped in different ways. But that is what the goal of this podcast is, and has been doing for so many people. And I'm still working on trying to get through my study so I can become an infidelity recovery coach so I can work with more information with those men and women who have been affected by infidelity. And I want to focus on the cheating part of it. Why did we cheat? Why did we do that? And help the other person, the husband, saying, you know, why did your wife cheat? Okay, let's figure this out. Those are my goals. I really want to help other people and I'm looking forward to it. It's just I've had a rough last uh, couple of months. And I really um, don't have the ability to consume information yet. So it's coming and I plan to have it done before the end of this year. And considering it's only February, I better, you know, I better get moving. (laughs) The years go by pretty fast, but I think I have some time. So anyways, thanks again so much. Remember, vote for me if you can. Rate, review. Shoot me an email, rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. If you have even a ponder suggestion, I love it when people send me messages with ideas for a ponder episode because I'm always curious to know what other people are thinking or what they're curious about. So keep that in mind. But... Until next time, be kind to one another always. Be happy. And always remember, no judgment. Goodbye.